Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Friday, April 20th, 2018, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio. Beantown Athletics is Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. And the Major League Baseball season is in full swing, so now is your chance to take advantage of the simplicity of daily fantasy baseball at DraftKings. Why commit to an entire 162-game season with the same fantasy lineup? Put together a new lineup every single day at DraftKings and you can play for free with your first deposit by using my promo code P-I-C. Again, do that right now at DraftKings.com. And uh, finally, we got some sun here in Boston today, but the weather's still a little cold. I don't know. You're going to be going golfing this weekend? Are we going to get some golf weather finally in New England? Maybe you're going to go golfing this weekend. Well... When you do go golfing this weekend, chances are you are going to open up a brand new box of golf balls, and chances are you're going to lose a good amount of those balls. I'm not taking this opportunity to shit on your golf skills, I promise. I'm just trying to be realistic with you, because if I go golfing this weekend, guess what? I'm going to lose a lot of balls too. Here's the difference though. This year, I have a new plan for you, a new strategy for you to play golf and save a lot of money. It's a company called Golf Ball Monkey. Golf Ball Monkey sells premium, slightly used golf balls at a discounted rate. And I know what you're thinking. Used golf balls? Really, Danny? Well, think about this. How many times have you opened that brand new box of balls, taken one out, put it on a tee, hit it once, and lost it? You've done that a lot? Me too. Then what do you do? Take another one out. You hit that one. You might even lose that one. You might be wondering, though, what happened to the first ball you lost? I'll tell you what happened. Golf Ball Monkey found it, and it's still good as new. At Golf Ball Monkey, they harvest, buy, and sell premium used golf balls to wholesalers, retailers, and people like me and you. They have Titleist, Callaway, Nike, Pinnacle, Bridgestone, TaylorMade, and more. So go to GolfBallMonkey.com right now. That's Golf Ball Monkey, and receive free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks, and get 5% off any order by using promo code PICK, that's P-I-C. Get back out on the course this year while swinging for less golf ball monkey. Welcome to the show today on a Friday. This week, because of the holiday on Monday in these parts, I gave you podcasts on Tuesday and Friday of this week. Next week, I will be back into my normal routine which will be a podcast on Monday and Thursday. But we're here on a Friday, so thanks for joining me. And I got to remind you, check out episode two of my new YouTube series, 363 Off the Year. We took things inside the squared circle. That's right. We took it inside the ring. You get to see my in-ring wrestling skills, and you get to witness my Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid Halloween costume one final time. I made that costume from scratch back in the day, and I actually, I wore it many times because it took so long to create that 
you know, when you have it sitting there, you have it in a bag somewhere in the basement, you just bust it out every single year. So I did that for the longest time. And uh, I needed a reason to wear it again and one final time. But one final time because I ripped the pants while we were filming the scene. You can't see that in the video. We edited that out. But I did rip the pants towards the end of that scene. So uh, that's my Shawn Michaels Halloween costume. Check it out. Enjoy the video. Again, 363 Off the Year is my new YouTube series. Go to YouTube.com slash Danny Picard. Subscribe. Hit the notifications button. And enjoy episode number two. And speaking of wrestling, I posted a video on social media today on this Friday, April 20th, in which I sort of recreated the New England Patriots offseason drama, according to reports at least. There's so much Patriots drama that sometimes it's difficult to keep track of because some of it is a little like the one thing I can't understand is the idea that players under contract for whatever team in any sport, the idea that a player under contract would have to verbally commit, whether it's to the media or to the public or to the team, would have to verbally commit that they are going to play the following season while they're under contract. That's that's something I just can't wrap my brain around why, why somebody would have to actually commit to that. If you're under contract, you're under contract. The only news should be is if you come out and say you're not returning, which is an official non-commitment, right? That would be the news. So is it news if a player under contract doesn't verbally commit to the following season? Isn't that the definition of a contract? You're under contract. You're committed. That's it. If you're not committed, then guess what? You're retiring. Or you're announcing that you're holding out for whatever reason. Now, I know you got the NFL offseason workouts that have begun, at least the voluntary portion. And I have to stress voluntary. And I do have to stress the fact that, you know, Patriots players, NFL players have missed voluntary workouts in the past. So the idea that guys would just, in general, miss a voluntary workout isn't the end of the world and shouldn't be portrayed as such. I do think, though, that with this Patriots team and all the reports that there have been about, you know, the demise of this franchise and uh, how there's so much tension behind the scenes, obviously, when Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski don't show up, as voluntary as these offseason workouts might be, when they don't show up because of all the shit that's going on, or at least has been reported to be going on, That stuff is going to be a big deal in this town. So I'll get to that in a minute. But I did post a video on social media today that obviously is over the top. I took the video from when Hulk Hogan joined the NWO. What was it? 1996 Bash at the Beach. I don't mean to sound like a wrestling historian for you here. but And I don't even know if I have that date right, to be honest with you. But that was a major moment. In professional wrestling, it it changed professional wrestling forever. The creation of the NWO, that was Hulk Hogan turning heel, becoming a bad guy. Nobody thought that would happen. And, uh, you know, he formed the NWO with Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Before that, they were known as Razor Ramon and Diesel in the WWF. Now, the WWE. But uh, it was really a major moment in the world of professional wrestling. And... I just, I was thinking about all this Patriots drama and the most recent report 
that had Adam Schefter saying the other day that Tom Brady had not committed to the 2018 NFL season. There were people close to him, according to Schefter, that believe he will play, but there are some that also believe he has reasons to maybe walk away and question it because he has not committed. You know, it gets back to my thoughts on, well, why does he have to commit? He's under contract. <laughs> he is committed. By being under contract, you're committing. If, so if you're not going to commit, then the news should be that Tom Brady retires. Is the news Tom Brady retires? No, it's not. So what's, what's the actual news? What's the actual story here? The story is he didn't show up to the beginning of, of voluntary off-season workouts. And as we've found out, you know, and I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know this. But other people who are all in on covering the Patriots and every little detail of everything in the offseason, including voluntary workouts, people have come out and said that Brady actually has missed some voluntary workouts, offseason workouts, in the past. So this isn't the first time this has happened. Um, so you had that report from Schefter, and I wrote a column in the Boston Metro, which I do every week, and it was Patriots-related. And the theme of the column was, listen, if, if we're drawing lines in the sand here, which the Schefter report, it, it kind of made it feel like Brady was drawing a line in the sand. Like, he's saying, hey, you know, not showing up, uh, not committing, and I'm on Gronk's side, right? I'm on Alex Guerrero's side. I'm even on Danny Amendola's side, even though Danny Amendola is now a member of the Miami Dolphins. But Amendola was riding an Uber with Mike Reese from ESPN last weekend. And, you know, Amendola's spilling his guts. I kind of touched upon that on Tuesday's podcast of this week, earlier this week. And, you know, I think with Amendola, that just sounds like sour grapes. Because Amendola, the reason he's not with the Patriots anymore is because he's replaceable. <laughs> that's why the Patriots didn't match the offer the Miami Dolphins gave him. What was it, two years, 12 mil, Amendola signs with the Dolphins? You know why the Patriots didn't match that? Because he's replaceable. And, and it pains me to say that because I loved what Amendola brought to the Patriots. But facts are facts. You know, Amendola's talking about, well, I, you know, I gave money back to the Patriots, saying that he, he took a pay cut. He took multiple pay cuts to stay in New England. And, um, you know, what's funny about that is if Amendola didn't take those pay cuts, the Patriots would have potted ways with him, you know, two, three years ago. So Danny Amendola is replaceable. I think he's just finding that out now when the Patriots would have matched the offer and wouldn't end up, I guess, giving him the money he wanted. And uh, he's finding out that the Patriots view him like they basically view 99% of that roster which is, guess what? You're replaceable. And, and Amendola also was spilling his guts about the Malcolm Butler stuff. And look, I disagree with Belichick on at least the second half of the Super Bowl, but at some point, we got to move on. Like, at some point, I have to, we, you, me, we all have to just move on from the Malcolm Butler stuff. Because like I said early in the week, as much as I hated not seeing Butler on that field in the second half, and I think he absolutely would have helped the Patriots, and if I was a player, I'd be pissed at that too. But but Amendola's upset because he's not getting an explanation about it. And look, again, as much as I loved Malcolm Butler, Bill Belichick looks at this thing and says, we, we picked Malcolm Butler up off the street. Nobody wanted this guy. Undrafted free agent. 
nobody would even know who Malcolm Butler is if not for me, if not for the opportunity I gave him. You know, you credit Butler with what I call the greatest play in not just Super Bowl history, I think sports history. He, you know, when Malcolm Butler intercepts that pass against Seattle and wins the Super Bowl for the Patriots, he corrected his mistake and practice, practice on that similar route, on that similar play, so credit where it's due. But again, you want to be realistic about it, Bill Belichick did sort of create Malcolm Butler when nobody else wanted him. Butler was bagging groceries. Belichick said, eh, you know what? I see something in this kid. I'll take a flyer on him. And uh, we'll throw him in. And we'll throw him in at the end of the Super Bowl. To come up with a big play. I mean, nobody else was giving Butler that opportunity, okay? Nobody else. So Belichick basically looks at it and says, I created Malcolm Butler. Whether you like that or not, that's, that's reality. And so... Belichick probably looks at Danny Amendola. If Danny Amendola ever went to Belichick and said, I deserve an explanation, Belichick would look at Danny Amendola and say, wait a minute, you're on the offensive side, right? Do your job. Don't worry about what I do on the defensive side. Don't worry about what's personal, what's not, the decisions. I mean, look, we'd all like a reason, but I I think something happened. I think, you know, I think Butler did something. I, I don't know what. Will it ever come out? Uh... I think Belichick, in a way, sort of protected Butler after the season by, you know, by not saying anything about it because he wanted, you know, I think he appreciated what Butler did in that Seattle Super Bowl and then some, and I think he wanted to see the kid get paid. But if we're continuing to talk about reality, the Patriots, like they view Amendola as a replaceable piece, so they're not going to pay him the money the Dolphins are going to pay him. Bill Belichick also looks at Malcolm Butler that way. He looks at Butler and says, replaceable. We can replace this guy. Heck, I created him. I can't replace. I can't go bring somebody else in. He was an undrafted free agent. Maybe I'll just draft somebody. I mean, they kind of replaced him already last year when they signed Stephon Gilmore the first day of fucking free agency. So Amendola's sour grapes because he, he realizes he's replaceable and I got news for him and everybody else. So is Malcolm Butler. Again, as much as it pains me to say that I love those guys and they helped, but it's like, we do this all the time. You know, we fall in love with someone, then they go somewhere else. Patriots wouldn't pay him and the Patriots replaced them, right? Well, you look at that stuff and now you look at Brady Grunk and what's going on with them. Gronk, threatens retirement. I told you from day one, that's all about, that's all about a new contract. That's all about more guaranteed money. That's all that is. I don't know how anyone didn't see this. I mean, the way they set it up was, you know, you, if you think Gronk's going to be good in WWE, you know, he set it up just it's a horrible setup. I mean, <laughs> couldn't have been worse. You know, they have Mike Florio tweet out before the game. Before the Super Bowl, that Gronk, you know, he might, he could, he could see if maybe Gronk walked away. And then after the game, Gronk's asked a question about it. And he's like, oh, I don't know where he got that report. I mean, it's just, it's clear that Gronk leaked that on purpose. It's clear his motive is for a new contract. I mean, go get it. I, go try to get it. You know, that doesn't bother me. Go get the money while you can, while you should. All right. Um, but, I look at the Schefter report, and I think to myself, why is this news? Well, again, it's not news. But here's where it is news. It's only news. To me, the Schefter report is only news 
if Tom Brady is sent, is telling Adam Schefter to report it. That's it. That is it. That's the only way that's news to me. Like, and and if you're Adam Schefter, I think it's the only way it's news. I know ESPN, they had the Seth Wickersham report. You know, I look at the Seth Wickersham report, and I've said it from day one. I said, oh, I believe, I believe that stuff's going on. I believe those things are happening. But I think it's sort of an exaggeration of those facts. Like, I think the Wickersham report was an exaggeration. Now, you might be looking at the stuff going on to this day and the reports that are coming out and, uh, and saying, well, doesn't that, doesn't that validate Wickersham's report? And I'm like, well, I never said Wickersham's report was wrong. I just think the way it was portrayed as if, you know, the Patriots are done is is over the top, is exaggerated. And I think that type of exaggeration was poor journalism, in in my opinion. And some people saying the same thing about the Schefter report. Well, it's poor journalism, right? It's it's an exaggeration. Look, I don't I don't think Belichick was I don't think Belichick is Wickersham's source. I don't. I don't think Belichick's leaking that stuff. In fact, I think Belichick functions under the complete opposite type of strategy, which is, I don't want any of this stuff getting out. Like, that's the way he functions. I don't think he's anonymously telling Wick, Wickersham and leaking, stu- leaking stuff. I don't believe that. Some people have that theory. I don't. But for whatever reason, Gronk, I do believe, leaked his own, initially his own retirement report. And I do believe that Brady leaked this Adam Schefter report that says Brady is not committed to the 2018 season yet. And puts a little, you know, puts a question out there. As if it was up for debate. I never thought it was up up for debate. And to be honest, I still don't think it is up for debate. I do think Tom Brady is playing next year. I think he's playing the year after that. I think he's playing the year after that. And I think it's all going to be with the New England Patriots. And I think Bill Belichick will be here for all of it. Rob Gronkowski, I think he'll be playing this year. I think that he'll be playing the year after that. He might even be playing the year after that. I think these guys are going to be on the football field in week one, and I have the schedule in front of me, and I'll get to that. But I don't think it's up for debate that these guys are going to play in 2018. Brady's going to play. Gronk's going to play. Belichick is going to coach. And when the season begins, there might be more tension. There might be some more Alex Guerrero stuff. But I tell you right now, One thing that the Patriots always do is they are always committed to winning, regardless of what's going on behind the scenes. And that's why I I look at that Wickersham report, and I'm like, well, you're portraying something, things that are going on behind the scenes. Fine. I actually believe it. I I do think there are human emotions that, that, you know, that get involved here. I I, I believe some of that stuff. But the idea that that stuff is going to bring these guys down and and just wipe them out and make the Patriots an average football team? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I think it's a, an exaggeration of the facts. And and when I look at the Schefter report, I think, well, I don't believe Brady is going to retire. I don't believe Brady is not committed. But I think Brady leaked it. And it's funny to me if that is true. Because, again, going back to the column that I wrote this week for the Metro, the theme was, if we're drawing a line in the sand, then, uh, you know, 
if that's what we're doing here, I'm going to pick a side. And my side is Team Belichick. I am Team Belichick. And, And it might look like I'm turning my back on Tom Brady. It might look like I'm turning my back on Rob Gronkowski. But I think if Brady's leaking at the Schefter, if Gronk has leaked his retirement stuff, you know, I think it's, even though Amendola's a dolphin, it's combined with that mindset. The cryptic messages on social media, uh, the Facebook documentary that Brady had, which he held off in the final episode and clearly threw some stuff in there to send a message home. Again, as somebody who does video editing and, you know, has created different types of documentaries and mockumentaries, you might call them, there's still a message to be sent. And, and, and Brady was sending a message, there's no doubt. So the cryptic stuff is just different from these guys. It is. It's different. And it might look like I'm turning my back on Brady by announcing that, hey, just to be clear, if we are drawing lines in the sand, I'm Team Belichick. It might look like I'm turning my back on Tom Brady. But I have to ask, the, I have to ask you the question, who's turned their back on who? Who, who is turning their back on who if this stuff is going on? And so one of the things I wrote in the column was this has a, this Patriots offseason has a WWE feel to it. It does. If you told me Vince McMahon, you told me Vinnie Mac was writing this storyline, I'd say, you might be right. You might be right. The drama that's unfolding, you know, the storyline entering the 2018 NFL season, Entering the voluntary offseason workouts. We got the Bruins in the playoffs. We got the Celtics in the playoffs. Both teams destined for at least a second round trip, right? You got the Red Sox off to a 16 and 2 start. Nobody in the fucking league can beat them. Now the Red Sox are a favorite to win the World Series at plus 700. You shitting me? And we are sitting here on April 20th talking about Patriots' voluntary offseason workouts. Who gives a shit about voluntary off-season workouts? Well, we do. Because they've created a storyline. If you told me Vince McMahon was working this storyline, I would believe you. And in the column, I I set the scene. Said NWO was created when Hulk Hogan came down to the ring. Hit Randy Savage with a leg drop and the NWO was formed. And uh, I just kind of, you know, I thought about it. And I'm like, why don't I put this in video form? So <laughs> I, I spent a couple hours. And when I say a couple hours, I mean more than two on this video that I posted to social media today. That is it. Can we say breaking the Internet? Not Breaking the Internet is strong. Breaking the Internet is strong. There are times I would like to break the Internet. Um. But breaking the internet is strong. But it's getting a lot of attention. Heck, Seth Wickersham even <laughs> retweeted it. I tweeted it out there. Um, I saw a couple NFL players tweeting it out. So, it, look, there have been some other comments that have come in. Now, I, I haven't actually been able to keep track of all the comments coming in from this. Because there's just too many of them. So I actually had to put my phone away 
But I saw a couple where people were like, oh, this isn't, this doesn't even make much sense. Or this isn't really the way it's going down in Foxborough. It's like, hey, listen, I put according to reports in parentheses for a fucking reason. If you cannot find any enjoyment in that video that I put together, then you need to put the device down, go outside, take a walk, get some fresh air. Heck, it's 420. Maybe roll up a joint and blow that shit out, okay? Just calm the fuck down. It's meant to be entertaining, nothing more, nothing less. But uh, at least it's gaining some traction. Finally, something I do, finally, something I do gains a little traction. Holy shit. Uh... It, it it's more difficult than than you would like to believe. So uh, thanks for everybody who is acknowledging that video because it actually was not easy, and I was having major issues. I have the worst luck with, and it's funny. I'll do a lot of different video things now because I enjoy doing it. And as you can see with my new YouTube series, and we have another YouTube show that I'm going to be launching very soon. So uh, actually, we kind of we do kind of tease it in the 363 off the air YouTube series. We kind of teased the new show, but you'll have to keep watching to see what that's going to be. But, um, it's funny. Like now I'm really getting into enjoying editing video and putting video together because I just do it all on my cell phone. I do it all on my iPhone. I have Adobe Premiere Pro, but the video is always fine. It's audio issues. I will forever have audio issues. And if you've listened to this show, if you go back to 2006 when I started this as a webcast. You know that I just will always have audio issues for whatever reason. And it's, I, I don't think it's me. I just think it's my my devices. I have, I have bad luck with my technology and audio issues. And so that's another reason why the Patriots NWO video that I put on social media today took so long because I, I'm trying to fix audio issues, but also... You know, I have this thing where I, it's shit's got to be perfect, or at least as perfect as it could be, and, and and so sometimes that not being perfect can can get the best of me, and it can make for a process that's that takes longer than I than I want it to take. Put it that way. But I got it out. I pumped it out for you. You watched it. I think you liked it. Um, send it around. But also, don't forget to check out my YouTube series, three sixty three off the air and 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 so you know I just shared my thoughts on the the Patriots drama the Brady stuff I do think he leaked that to Schefter um I do think in a way this sort of drawing a line in the sand and and by the by them doing this I just I'm telling you I'm team Belichick I look Tom Brady I think in any organization seeing his skills from day one you know, from the first day he came in and actually began to show us that, wow, you know, you got something special here. From that moment, again, it wasn't right away because who knew? I mean, again, sixth round pick. I mean, even when Bledsoe took that hit, I don't think many people knew what was running out to that field for the New England Patriots. But, you know, as the season went on, you get the Super Bowl, right? Oh, and by the way, I do need to say this. Thoughts and prayers to the family of Gil Santos. Uh, Gil Santos passed away yesterday on Thursday. Santos spent 36 seasons as the voice of the New England Patriots. And the words coming from his mouth that 
we will never forget was Super Bowl 36. Patriots win over the Rams, in which he yells, the Patriots are Super Bowl champions. The Patriots are Super Bowl champions. Rest in peace, Gil Santos. Uh, We will never forget your voice. And again, thoughts and prayers to his family. But, you know, that moment where the Patriots do win the Super Bowl and Tom Brady is, is the, you know, becomes the guy, not just in this town, but kind of in the NFL. And it has continued to this day. It's continued. And, and so I think Brady seeing what we've seen over the years, I do think he'd be a hall of fame quarterback anywhere else in any other organization, but there's being a hall of fame quarterback. And then there's going to eight Super Bowls in your career. Right? Like, there's two different, like, look at Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton Manning, Hall of Fame career. I mean, we could go up and down. I threw this out during the Jimmy Garoppolo trade when I tried to stress that I do think there's an importance to send in an above average quarterback to the NFC. Like, if you're the Patriots, I do think there's a lot of value in sending Jimmy Garoppolo if you think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the next eight years. I do think there's value from a Patriots perspective to send him to the opposing conference. And the the example that I used was Aaron Rodgers. Like, think about Bill Belichick's career with the Patriots. Think about Tom Brady's career with the Patriots. Think about how much success they've had. Think about the Super Bowls they've been to the AFC championships that they've been to. And think about how many times they've had to worry about Aaron Rodgers, who has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league for what, the last 10 years? Right? If, if you know, people who say Brady's not number one, they point to Aaron Rodgers as number one. But when it comes to championships, even conference championships, what has Aaron Rodgers done? when it comes to those things. And I'm not trying to say he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm acknowledging that he is, but there is an importance to him being in the other conference. If you're the Patriots, you don't really have to worry about him until, unless you get to the Super Bowl. What are the odds that you'd be facing him in the Super Bowl anyways? Not really that good. So, uh, you know, look at Aaron Rodgers' career. Great career so far. It's only going to continue. You know, I I think they'll be putting him in the Hall of Fame one day. But he's having a Hall of Fame career, which I think Brady would have had with any other organization. And then there's being a Hall of Fame quarterback with a Hall of Fame career in an organization that year in and year out is expected to go to the Super Bowl. At the very least, expected to go to the conference championship. You know, there's something to be said about the way Belichick handles business. People don't like it. Amendola sitting in the backseat of an Uber with Mike Reese doesn't like it. Malcolm Butler standing on the sideline holding his helmet in the Super Bowl doesn't like it. I didn't like that. Uh, I'm sure Patriots players didn't like that. But as we enter the 2018 NFL season, with the Patriots once again expected to get to the AFC championship this season. Why are we all of a sudden asking Bill Belichick to change the way he does business? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. And it kind of seems like Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski 
are asking Bill Belichick to change the way that he does business all of a sudden. As if they're just overlooking the fact that the way Patriot, the way the Patriots do business, the way Belichick does business, the Patriot way, they're overlooking the fact that that works, that has worked, and that probably will continue to work. The mindset that Belichick has put into the players inside those walls at Gillette Stadium, you know, that mindset has been extremely helpful and has really been, I think, the ultimate reason that they're so consistently successful at a championship rate. Like, again, there's being successful, and then there's being Patriots successful. It takes more than just a Hall of Fame quarterback, as you see with other potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks around the league. It takes more than that. It takes a coach and a mindset and a philosophy that you look around the league, everybody and their mother wants to copy the New England Patriots. That's all they want to do. Bill Belichick says, oh, he likes Johnny Manziel. Guess what's going on? All of a sudden, you got people around the league watching Johnny Manziel throw the football. (laughs) Come on. What, Belichick, you think he wasn't doing somebody a favor? Somebody close to Johnny Manziel called Bill Belichick and said, hey, Bill, good kid, fucked up, needs a second chance. Nobody's going to give him a look. But people respect you, and if you give him a look, they'll give him a look as well. And if, if, if you can make it feel like you're interested in him, somebody will actually be interested because they want what you want. What, you don't think that's how the Manziel stuff went down? Come on. You think Manziel is a guy that Belichick wants, given all this shit that he's gone through recently too? I mean, you got to be able to play. As at the same time. And Manziel hasn't proven that he's been able to do that. So I think that was a favor from Belichick. But it's an example to me that everybody around the league wants to be the Patriots. They want to do what Belichick does. And uh, all of a sudden, the team's two best players are asking Belichick to handle business differently right now. I, I it seems like there's a line being drawn in the sand. And I'm just telling you, if that is actually happening, if that is actually the case, I'm telling you I'm Team Belichick. And while it might seem like I'm turning my back on Tom Brady, I ask you the question, who is turning their back on who? If they actually are drawing a line in the sand right now. Who's turning their back on who? Which sparked the over-the-top video that I posted on social media uh, earlier today. So that's what we have with the Patriots. And uh, I have the schedule in front of me, and we're looking at one, two, three, four, five nationally televised games. Uh, you got their Thursday night game, which is why Thursday night's going to be on Fox now, huh? Thursday night game on Fox. That is one, two, three, four, five. Week five, October 4th, Thursday night at home against Indianapolis. And, um,. I think the most interesting thing to me, you got a week 11 bye, so it's a late bye, but the most interesting thing about this schedule, like, I printed it out today, and I had a, I had a Google the Patriots schedule to make sure I had the right one, because the last four games at Miami, at Pittsburgh, at home against Buffalo, and at home against the Jets, that's the exact same schedule that we had to close out last season. 
at Miami, at Pittsburgh, at home against Buffalo, at home against New York. Same exact thing. So I had to, I had to do a double take. Like, wait, do I have the right schedule? Did things get mixed, mixed up here? Is my computer acting up on me? I don't think so. Week 11 by. Then the last, you know, you got two games. Then you get the last four games at Miami, at Pittsburgh, at home against Buffalo, at home against New York. How does that happen? I don't like that. Two years in a row like that. Uh, the games that the Patriots will be on the road at Jacksonville, at Detroit, at Chicago, at Buffalo, at Tennessee, obviously at the Jets, at Miami, at Pittsburgh. You know, people, you know, they see the schedule and they, they want to book their trips for the upcoming season. A lot of people looking at Tennessee week 10 before the bye week. It's a one o'clock start on Sunday, November 11th. Okay, that would be a good trip. But don't overlook at Chicago Sunday, October 21st at 1 o'clock. Uh, I think the weather on October 21st in Chicago, you know, it'll be a little brisk, uh, but shouldn't be crazy. And Chicago's great. So that could actually be end up being a better trip uh, than Tennessee. I know people rave about Nashville. I get it. But uh, Chicago's great as well. Don't overlook at Chicago. But that's the Patriots schedule. I don't want to spend too too much time looking at the Patriots schedule. When we do have playoff schedules in front of us, especially here in this town, and that brings me to playoff hockey and playoff basketball. The Celtics play tonight. That game might even be over. Game three in Milwaukee might even be over by the time you listen to this show. Um, but the Bucks are a five-point favorite going into game three. What's it, a 9.30 Eastern time tip-off? That's late, but it's a Friday night. Uh, Celtics are up 2-0 in this series. It doesn't look like Milwaukee even wants to play. Celtics are all banged up, but certainly the Celtics have proven they still have enough talent to get to the second round at least. And if they get to the second round, which I think the Celtics will at this point, if they get to the second round, they will play the winner of Philly and Miami. Now, to give you an idea of how high some people are on Philly, currently the 76ers have the same odds to win the NBA championship as the Cleveland Cavaliers at plus 1,500. That's insane to me. I told you on the podcast earlier this week that people are just begging for a reason to praise the 76ers. Like, they want the 76ers to be a championship contender more than they actually are right now. At some point, they could be. Like, in the very near future. But I don't think it's right now. And, you know, people knocking Cleveland. I told you early in the week, when Cleveland was down 1-0 to Indy, I said, don't rule LeBron James out. When are you going to learn? Do not rule out LeBron James, especially when he's down one nothing in the first round. And all people could do is knock LeBron James because they lose game one and they ask him a question, you know, how are you going to handle this? I don't even know what the exact question was. But LeBron answered it. You know, typical LeBron fashion, me, 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 I, 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 talking about himself. But he's not wrong. And here's what he said. He said, well, I've been down 3-1 to one in the finals before. I've faced larger deficits than this. And I, told, I actually told you on the last podcast he has. I reminded you of that. But he said, I, 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 me, 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 instead of saying us, 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 we, we, we. And he said that. And people went nuts. They're like, oh, LeBron's being selfish. It's like, well, is he being selfish or is he being correct? He has been down more than 1-0 in a series before. He has been 
in a much larger deficit to better teams in bigger spots before, right? I mean, he's speaking facts. And so for people to give up on the Cavaliers after game one is insane to me. It's insane. Stupidity. It's like, when are you going to learn? Why are you giving up on LeBron James after the first game of the playoffs? Well, Cleveland won game two. And now the series is tied at one. And, you know, it goes to Indy, Indiana. And if the Pacers win game three, I'll still be sitting there telling you, put your money on Cleveland for game four. All right? Do that. But I still think the Cavaliers are going to... I still think the Cavs are going to the finals. I think it's still going to be Cleveland-Golden State. But we'll have to wait and see. And then you got the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Bruins, they win game four in Toronto last night on Thursday night. And we were all hit with a major surprise right before this game. And that major surprise was the Bruins were without Patrice Bergeron. Upper body injury? Look, Bergy, you know how tough of a dude he is. I mean, the the things he was playing with in, what was it, the 2013 Stanley Cup Final against Chicago, that playoffs, uh, a, a punctured lung, fractured ribs, shoulder injuries. I mean, this guy has played through it all. This guy's played through life-threatening injuries, for crying out loud. And he misses this game. It's a last-minute scratch. I don't, like, I just... I'm a little confused by it. Based on what we know from Bergeron, you know it's not just a little shoulder shoulder sprain, right? You know that's not it. And so my concern is, my concern is when they say upper body, he has had a concussion history. It's, it's a concern of mine. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if it's true, but it's it's a concern. Because what else would keep the guy out? You know, did he get did he get hit? And I know they showed a clip in the pregame on Nesson that they said was coming from a sports net in Canada where Bergeron took a hit. I just got a little bump. You know, it was uh, a pass on a breakout pass. Bergeron had his head turned. Pocanitz steps up. Pocanitz, you know, gives him a little bump. Bergeron falls back. Something like that might have rattled his cage a little bit. And, and you know, maybe he was seeing stars. I don't, I don't know. That's the clip they showed us. That, not, that could have been nothing. I have no idea. I'm just telling you, this is not a fact. I'm just telling you my opinion, my concerns. When I see Bergeron, late scratch, upper body, knowing what he's played through, I think to myself, give me something that he couldn't play through or they wouldn't risk him playing through in this game in Toronto. Can't let the Maple Leafs win it. I, I My concern is that there's a concussion situation here or concussion-like symptoms. So... We'll keep an eye on it, but it was not good news, and it's a little scary, to be honest, based on the concerns I just told you, but the Bruins end up winning anyways. They win the game. Um, Tuka Rask was phenomenal, and for all the people that want to hate on Tuka Rask, you know I am not one of them. I'm one of Tuka Rask's biggest supporters, and you know, it's funny, some people needed a game like that to even have to come out and say, you know what? Credit where it's due. Tuca stood on his head and won him a game. It's like, you really have to lead that off by saying credit where it's due? Shut the fuck up. I mean, Tuca Rask is one of the league's best goaltenders. And if you haven't realized that by now, then you know, you're just you're stubborn. That, that's what it is. And you do not want to admit that you're wrong. That's all that is. That's all that is. So I didn't need to see that type of performance last night to to know that Tuca 
is somebody that the Bruins can rely upon, but they certainly needed that type of performance without Bergeron. And you can give me the regular season record without Bergeron missed some time, and the Bruins' regular season record without Bergeron was actually pretty good. You know, you can give me that record all you want, but in a playoff series, seven-game series, I don't care who you're playing against, if you don't have Bergeron, you're going to need, you know, your next guy, I know some people are looking at Krejci to step up. No, my next guy is Tuka Rask. That's the guy that needs to step up. For the long haul, not just for one game. So, we'll, I don't know how long, I don't know how long Bergeron's going to be out for, but, um, you know, hopefully he's back next game. Game five, Saturday night, back at the TD Garden in Boston. And the Bruins have a chance to close out the series in five games. They're up 3-1. I told you going into game four that the Bruins would win game four and game five, and I still think that's what they're going to do, even without Bergeron. And that's not to say they don't need Bergeron. They need Bergeron for the long haul. But I will say this. The difference, and I've pointed this out many times throughout the year, especially towards the end of the year, the difference between these Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs, in the NBA playoffs, if you lose your stars, you know, you will eventually lose. You will not win a championship. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, if you lose one of your stars, one of your best players, even your best player, but you still have a pretty damn good goalie, you still have a shot to be hoisting the Stanley Cup when it's all said and done. So, uh, I think the Bruins should win game five, move on to the second round, and when they do move on to the second round, they will play the winner of Tampa Bay and New Jersey. Tampa Bay, as I record this show, leads that series three games to one, and I kind of was knocking the Capitals early in the week because they were down 2-0 to the Columbus Blue Jackets, but Capitals have won the next two, and that series is now tied at two. I picked the Capitals to go to the Cup Finals and lose to the Nashville Predators. Those are my Stanley Cup playoff predictions. I'm sticking with them. So that's what we have with the playoffs, and of course, we got baseball. We've had some late-night baseball. The Red Sox on the West Coast, they are now 16-2 and after sweeping the Angels in L.A., now the Red Sox are in Oakland, and I, I kind of mentioned I, I mentioned it earlier in the show, but it's funny to note the Red Sox, with this 16-2 and start, are now the co-favorite to win the World Series with the Houston Astros at plus 700. So that's what we have with the Red Sox. Um, it's not my main focus with the playoffs that are going on, so I'll be watching the Celtics on this Friday night. I'll be watching the Bruins on Saturday night. And I will react to all of this stuff over the weekend. I'll react to it on Monday's podcast. Subscribe at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podcast One, you name it. My podcast is literally anywhere where podcasts are available. And don't forget, go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash dannypicard, and watch my new series, 363 off the air. Thanks for joining me. Have a great weekend, everybody. I am out. Talk to you on Monday.